This is Splice. You're listening to a recorded session from Splice Beta 2022 in Chiang Mai. We've edited this, but only slightly. Hey, this is Richard from Splice. This session is our friend Sunny Sway of Frontier Myanmar on how they rebuilt the entire company after the coup. For those of you who, who don't know me, uh, I'm Sunny. Um, I used to base in Myanmar. Uh, now I've been, uh, I've successfully relocated. Uh, today, I just want to share my journey, my experience of how and why we needed to relocate to Thailand and how we are uh, operating uh, away from Myanmar. Before talking about the relocation, I think I really need to talk to you about uh, Frontier, what the Frontier is and how it started, you know, how we uh, uh, go through this seven-year uh, journey so that the relocation makes sense. So basically, we started 1st of July 2015, and it's very good-looking print magazine. Uh, I'm such an old school. I, I love printing. I love the smell of ink, and I love the smell of paper. The, the sound of printing presses, running princesses, turns me on, basically. So it's, I'm such an old school, right? But we launched in July just to cover for the December uh, election, 2015 election. And a lot of friends advised me that don't do it because... Uh, we, we won't know the outcome of the election, this and that, but um, I was against my friends, uh, against my family, against everyone, and, and being so stubborn as usual, I launched it anyway. Then basically we launched uh, Do'atan. Uh, it's a weekly human rights podcast series on the 2000s, uh, in 2017. So what is Frontier? Since we, we launched in 2015, we provided balance in debt reporting. Uh, we try not to take sides. We try to stay in the middle and, and we try to criticize both sides. So that's why nobody loves me. <laughs> we used to do breaking news. We do short videos. We do pretty much everything mojo. And uh, we decided that it's very overwhelming. The reason I did that, because remember, I just got out of prison that time, and I, was, I have so much energy that I want to copy everything, what everybody's doing. So my editor-in-chief, one point, had to say that, Sunny, you know what? Why don't we just focus on something instead of doing everything, right? So we stick to our strength, which is the long-form uh, investigative reporting. As you all know, like the global trend, after the election, since the civilian government took over uh, the power that media transformation, media development wasn't the, the, the priority set for the civilian government. So everybody kind of starting to suffer. And because of the rise of the technology, everyone is starting to using, started using the Facebook. So you can imagine the, the sales of the circulation went down, the advertising revenue stream went down like everyone else in the region. We, we are struggling really pretty badly. So we actually decided to do something and um, something different, um, something out of the box. We were thinking of, you know, metering paywalls, hard paywalls, you know, there was a debate for about nearly, I think, six to nine months, me and the editorial team, we kind of debate on which model we wanted to go for it. And at the end, we chose membership. 
I think, just let me tell you something. We chose memberships not knowing that it would be so complicated, right? We was like, oh, easy, let's go for memberships. That was the reason. Actually, I will be very honest about it. <laughs> After that, uh, it's very difficult to maintain the memberships and the community and so forth. Like, why membership? Basically, like I told you, the revenue stream is going down. And you, doing memberships, it's perfect because we have such a unique team in, in our newsroom. And everyone is very young, talented, and I'm very lucky that we, we have like 50 plus in the newsroom. So our organization is quite small so that we can just easily maneuver, unlike the big, big newsroom, all right? And, and uh, you know, membership model would enable us to provide a community, and this is, this is an interesting thing. You know, we didn't know community building what is, we didn't know that time that community building would be that important. So we set up the landing page, a very simple landing page saying that, declaring our missions like, hey, you know, we are setting up this community around the responsible journalism. If you're interested, please sign up. So 200 people signed up and we start from 200. Guess what? Yeah, I was seeking help uh, from Splicey Splice. Uh, both Alan and Richard, they've been brother to me. They've been very, how do you say, very kind and uh, very caring. So basically, they were advising us and, and you know, we do focus groups. Uh, we do one-on-one uh, discussions. It took nine months to finish our research. And then prototyping, the pricing, everything is... Um, done by the community, uh, so make the long story short, it took 14 months from the beginning until launch. So we started applying for GNI Innovative uh, Challenge and uh, uh, we won. And uh, again, thanks to Splice, they basically taught us how to write an application, how to submit an application. We were chosen for Myanmar. And we managed to launch our memberships program on the December uh, 31st of January, 2020. That was only one month before the pandemic hit. So not knowing that coup is coming, not knowing that the pandemic is coming, I think the timing worked out perfectly. And um, uh, we were so lucky for that. We managed to stay um, ahead of the curves. So guess what? A year later, I mean, we struggled a lot during the pandemic. I don't want to go through all the troubles that we went through. I think every newsroom went a lot of troubles into this and tried to, to, to balance it. But yeah, on top of while pandemic, uh, I think uh, a second wave was really surging. And here's the coup. So the coup on top of the pandemic, and it was miserable, right? And I've never seen a coup like this before. A lot of you probably know Myanmar, but a lot of you don't know the situation, how badly happening still in Myanmar, All right? So this is my favorite person. If the Guinness World of Record would give a prize, he would probably get it for the most hated person in two months' time. So a lot of anti-military coup, street demonstrations going on. So for newsroom, including Frontier. This is, these things happened after the coup. So Hunter started tightening the publication regulations and started attacking on the uh, media freedom and freedom of expression. The journalists were detained. 
and the media houses were raided. Most of the mainstream media licenses were either revoked or self-suspended. My very good friend and also my fellow colleague, uh, Danny Fencer, is a managing editor at that time, as he was flying back to New York, sorry, Michigan, to have the booster uh, for, for the vaccine. He got arrested in May, on the May 24th at Minglarung Airport, as right before he hopped on, on, on the plane. Two of our reporters' houses were raided, and um, uh, they were after them. And I didn't put this, uh, but one of our uh, regular columnists get arrested. So these are all the signs that, you know, saying that we got to do something about it because it's getting more and more difficult to to operate. Not talking about, uh, you know, uh, internet restrictions. I'm not talking about, you know, banking problems. You know, these are the just so difficult to survive in Myanmar, right? In September, Sachin became more tense and Frontier suspended operation. We suspended too much so that all the staffs would have enough time to apply for the passport and apply for the visa and get ready for the departure. So here's a very interesting, how do you say, uh, uh, situation at this moment. So relocation is, you probably think that, oh, Sunny decided to move. A actually, it's not true, right? This is a collective decision. So we've been through many series of meetings, Zoom meetings, like, what are we gonna do? Are you coming, are you not coming? So at the end, after I think six meetings, I have six people that are saying, yeah, I will come with you. And the rest is saying, no, we're not coming. Especially because of the family problems. Some people just have a new baby and the mother is sick, father is sick, so they just can't come with me, right? So I started doing budget for six people. And um, I actually left myself first uh, ahead of everyone. Two thousand twenty-one, twenty-ninth October. That's my father's birthday. That's the day that I arrived here in Chiang Mai. Hired a motorbike, started straight looking for offices or house to live. Uh, I was in a very tiny uh, condominium and um, didn't know what to do. I have no exact experience. So my fellow publishers who are very smart, I think when people starting talking about the coup is going to to happen, is coming, they started shifting maybe half of their uh, human resources out to the country already, or either out or somewhere in the, in the border area. And you know what, at that point, I kept saying that, nah, no, nah, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen, because it shouldn't happen, right? Uh, every smart people can think the coup is such a stupid idea, right? We just had our democracy. Anyway, I started bringing the people in batch by batch, which is two people at the time, every week, they're gonna to have to sneak out. So how are we going to sneak out? So we have two options. One is taking the, the border, right? Crossing the border, or simply walk into the airport and fly. So we debate on, on this a lot. But at the end, I told everyone that, guys, if you walk into the airport and hop on the plane, you probably risk four hours, right? Just four hours. If, Miss or hit, right? That's it. But if you try to cross the border from Yangon to Molomiai or Pa'an, whatever way that you choose, at least you are risking one week, right? If not, two weeks. And then you cross. It's, crossing is also another risk. 
And once you reach to others, other country, the, the other side, there's another risk because you are uh, crossing illegally and, and you know, there are more consequences. So I advise everyone just like, let's fly, right? Excuse my French. So here I am, we got the office, and okay, we got the office now. Uh, we got the people coming in now. We have to think about the security of, of the staff, their well-being in terms of their health, their happiness, and about the long-term visas need to be sought out. They have to have a proper bank account so that they can, they can live as the others, right? The, like the others. And also a driving license, also very important. You know, I encourage them to get the legal license. And the language school. Uh, it's also it's a must because we are living here, we're not speaking the language, so I think language is also very important. And there are so many other things that, sorry, I cannot share because uh, it's, a, it's, it's confidential. So while we are doing that, so my reporter arrived here. And then two weeks later, his mother was diagnosed with the stage three cancer. And remember, he has only nine months old son. So he was very... Um, uh, emotional about this, he said, I'm going, I'm going to go home. And even though we all uh, advise him, this is such a bad idea, but then, as usual, we're not going to against their wills, so we let him go, and as he landed, just grab him from the airport. And it's all, again, chaos, another chaos. So we suspended the operation again. So this is the second time we, the suspension. So, it's really funny that, you know, when the coup happened, right, everybody is actually in the beginning of, okay, how are we going to cover this? And then, you know, the, the safety, safety concerns are, are, are piling up. And then the team has to, I mean, everybody has to go home, right? All the local journalists probably want to go home. And, and my uh, uh, foreigners, uh, expats journalists also have to head home for their securities. So at that point, with eight different time zones, right? The, the, the editor from US would go back to US. So US, Canada, Australia, UK, Taiwan, Thailand, Cambodia, and Myanmar. That's how interesting it is. So if I need something, I will have to ask Tom like one week ahead, right? Or my finance one week ahead, because that's how it is. And um, I totally underestimated this relocation. I thought I'll have a new team, I mean, same team, we are uh, same publication, everything is going to be fine. But everyone is mentally suffer and everything is it's, it's chaos and it was getting more and more difficult to produce. And one point, I'm not sure whether Ben is coming back or Tom is coming back or Andy is coming back or not, you know, so we really need to do something about it. It's time to regroup. So we actually managed to meet everyone as a team in April, I think April the 5th. Tom arrived, Ben already back by here then, but uh, Ben is still uh, a part-time, and Andy is back. Everybody is so confused that, what are we going to do? Are we, are we going to continue, or shall we find another job? You know, like so uncertain, right? They're full of un uncertainties. So this is the recruiting photos. Look at me all smiling with my teams, like, ah, don't wait, don't go, don't go, don't go, stay here, stay here. Very lucky to be able to regroup. Once everyone is back and um, our uh, reporting 
resume, but our yield wasn't there. Still trying, uh, struggling uh, in terms of producing uh, one story a week. And then in July, we wanted to test the water, right? Because we know that we have a huge community in, back in Myanmar. But everybody went through this terrible experience of the, the combination of coup and... So I'm not very sure whether our community is still there or interested or not. So we managed to do our seventh anniversary in Bangkok. It turned out to be a very good event and very supportive. And it gives me a lot of energy and completely recharged me that, you know, yeah, this is the community. And I totally forgot that I'm not the only one. The whole community has to move, right? Maybe 80% of the community moved to Thailand. So I'm so happy to see the community still really supportive. So you know what? We're going to have to do something about it. And, you know, we were doing only the news. And then we started building the memberships. Now I think we want to grow this community. We, we want the, the original community, and then we want the new community uh, since we are here. So we have to somehow think of how are we going to support? How are we going to contribute? How are we going to, to, to help this community? The community that we, we set up, so we have 200 people, now we have more than 20,000, around 20,000 now, right? So these are the really hardcore people, really engaging, uh, and, and we, I want to do something for them because they are here, and I'm here. And in, back in Yangon, we do a lot of receptions, uh, we do events, and uh, here I think we can do it, but Bangkok can be very expensive, and what if we... Uh, provide a space for the community so the community can come and work and also community I can do like monthly events you know many things that I do so we decided to go for the the greenhouse which is co-working space slash um, it's going to be events and the trainings so this is the idea of of the greenhouse you know and another thing is that you know when everybody has a home yeah, you're all going to go home. You know, a home is a place that you sleep well. And all your loved ones are there. The home is such a positive place. You know, when you're sad, you go home. You, you hug your, your mom and dad and everything. So home is so important. Home for most of you out of Myanmar, it's this. But this is what is happening. So this is one of the area, the Chen State Tandalan, the airstrikes. It's still happening today. A lot of airstrikes, a lot of heavy weapons, artilleries are still being bombed, and the people are still running. Uh, people are being killed. People are <clears throat> being arrested, and uh, people, the, you know, the houses are being burned down. And, and, and up to now, this is happening everywhere. This is only the Chin State. So the thing is that greenhouse. Why don't we just, you know, provide a place? It's it's a second home. It's it's a home away from home. And uh, that's the whole idea, right? So why we call it second home? Because we speak, we're going to speak Burmese in, in Greenhouse. And I'm thinking of attaching the uh, little tea shop. Uh, and I want to uh, serve Burmese breakfast, shan noodles, onukaswe, mohenga, right? And nanjito, so forth. But up to 10 o'clock, at least you can sip the tea and have a Burmese breakfast, speaking the same language, and, you know, love, 
It's a lot of care and love that we want to provide. That's why we call it Second Home. So this is what we are trying to, to build. It's a very small one. It's a 386 square, square meter. But um, we'll have a reception in the red. Co-working space is the chamber, right? There is going to be meeting rooms. We have a two meeting rooms. The podcast room and live podcast streaming room. One is a small one. And one is about fit for, I think, three to four people so that you can do streaming there. And this is the training room. And this is the restroom. Here is the tea shop. So it's a small place, but I think it's, it's a perfect size for someone who don't know how to run a co-working space. Trust me, I don't know how to run it. I just want to do it. But I believe that if I'm sincere about what I do, if I do with love and care, this is what I do, this is what I've been always doing, and of course, we will struggle in the beginning, as usual, but it should be fine. So it's all happening now. Uh, it is under construction, and it's only been a week that uh, we started renovating, and um, it's currently under renovation right now. And uh, we had a little open house tour, uh, a renovation tour uh, that was on Sunday. I invited a few people who is already here for beta. So I'm very thankful that a lot of people come and support and have a look. Frontier 1.0 to Frontier 3.0. Now here in Chiang Mai, we are doing Frontier 3.0. We already sent out the surveys for you, and uh, thank you for the uh, surveys. We will be making all the adjustments. Since we are here, we want to look at from here. We want to cover the story from this side. Frontier is no longer news. Frontier is news. Frontier is event. Frontier is, is basically a good working space and the training. So that's my dream in Chiang Mai, and I'm making it happen. Please come in for a couple hours when you're here next time. Or if you need a training place, that's it. We will take care of you. Just a one-stop service. You know, you want to do the training? Say, I want to do digital security training. I can even provide the program for you. All the logistics and everything. Because I used to run marketing agency back in Myanmar. So it's, it's, it's quite easy for, for us. Yeah, that's about it. I'm sorry, that's all I can share. The rest I can't really share in depth. You know, when Ellen said, you think of 12 months, what you have done? I said, I can't really tell you anything. <laughs> because most of the time it's laying out for the security, laying out for the, for the freedom, right? And, and we try not to piss anyone off. Uh, we still try to stay under the radar. Reporting is back full swing. And I would like to thank here uh, we have some donors and uh, uh, supporters here. Without you, I won't be here. Again, I'm saying this, I said this on Sunday. So please continue your support. I really believe that not even Myanmar exiled journalists, I think all the CSOs, NGOs, activists, they need a, a place, they need a home. You know, let me know if you happen to be next time uh, in Chiang Mai, there is a greenhouse for you. And look at me, I'm so happy to be relocated. Thank you. If you have any questions, I'm happy to answer. Yes. Hi, my name is Mike from Google Thailand. So first of all, I just want to say, you know, as a Thai person, as a, you know, a Thai person coming from a Thai journalism community, welcome. You know, we would like to you know, be part of the Thai journalism community. 
And I have, a, I have two questions for you. So my first question is, uh, have you had any experience working with Thai journalism community? And how can us, you know, Thai journalism community can do better to support the Burmese journalists here in Chiang Mai? Thank you, Mike. I have a lot of friends, in, uh, Thai journalist friends, young and middle and old. Uh, I've never worked with them before, but we always keep in touch and we always in, in the trainings and stuff like that. So I'm not too new to the Thai journalism industry, but uh, I've never worked with them before. So happy to work and looking forward to be working with you. And uh, yeah, I mean, what sort of uh, support? I think it's not my support. I think it's about the, our industry. Our media landscape it has been really damaged, and, 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 and there is no media landscape in there. So everybody's moving here. So if you could um, support Myanmar journalists, that would be really nice, right? Um, I, I would ask for their support first, then, then, then to my support, yeah, to support me. So thank you. Hello, uh, my name is Ganesh. Uh, I'm also from Myanmar. As a fellow countryman, uh, I, I can empathize what you have been through. This is not a question, by the way. I really appreciate how you have pulled through this tough time, dug out the resilience from the depths of your soul, and not only looked after yourself, but also your team. At a level, it's like truly legendary. So. Thank you for pulling you. everything through for thank you, you thank and you. your team. Thanks. Thank you. For me, team is important. Without my team, I can't do anything. So I will put my team in front of me, and I always consider my team first than me. So, and that's how we work together, and I'm always proud of my team. And with this team, I can just go anywhere. I can do whatever I want, I think, I mean, in a good way, right? Uh, I can do mean, I can dream of anything, and I can just, you know, make it happen. So, yeah, always credit to my team. Hi, Samantha Tordladze, USAID Burma. Thank you for this presentation. It was really great to hear you speak about these things, and I'm excited that everyone got the chance to kind of understand what the Myanmar media community has gone through in the last year and a half, especially those who've been able to set up in exile. I would love to hear your perspective on the future of media for, <laughs> I know that's a big question and it's one that we ask and debate all the time, but especially in the context of, of the splice community where we talk a lot about, um, well, I wouldn't say we because I've just gotten a taste of what this community is in the last uh, day. But it seems like there's a lot of conversation about the business side of things and how to meet your audiences where they are and how to use the digital space. So are we thinking about that, engaging with those ideas? Is the media community in Myanmar and for Myanmar working on these things? Is it still very reactionary at this point? Or do you think that you have reached the sort of point where you can start thinking more strategically about the future and, and what are the connections that you see into the future, thinking about the Thai journalism community and others in the, in the region and in the world? Thank you. Thank you, Samantha. Um, I really believe, I strongly believe, eight, 10 years ago, if you ask me, Sunny, what's your dream? And I'll always say, I want to have a newsroom like BBC and CNN. I want to have a huge newsroom, everybody standing up on the standing tables. If you ask me now, it's actually no. Since we started building the community, I think community building is so interesting. Like I said in the present presentation, it's so fragile, it's so 
delicate and, and, and so interesting at the same time. So community building is, I would say, for another 10 to 20, 10 years, I think. Let's see, don't forget about 20 years. 10 years, I think, community, community. I love serving my community now. I ask all the questions to the community. Uh, community sets a price of the subscription, um, and we ask everything. Every time we want to make a move, we ask community what to do. So that is the, 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 the current business model. I think it's working, especially if Myanmar memberships model can work in Myanmar, I think it can work in everywhere. And also, I also change completely that, uh, you know, usually, you know, we were all, all old schools, right? So we just, we, we thought, we thought that the readers want to read this. So we published this on the front page, like, hey, here's what you want to read. Until we did this uh, focus group, we found out that it's completely wrong. We thought this issue is very important, but they have a different problem. So I think having this very supportive, very engaging community and, you know, try to serve as much as we can, I think uh, that I think we are on the right track. From the revenue stream from memberships hasn't covered fully of our expenses, but we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, so it's a good business model for a media organization. I think that's the way to do it. And then you mix your high quality journalism with the technology. That's what everyone is doing. That's what Alan Richard was saying. You know, it, we are in the golden, golden age. We can do so many things. You know, I was looking at my friends in Myanmar who ran the restaurant, right? They sell such a good food, but they can't leave because their food is on the table. They have to serve. The product needs to be on the table. For me, we push this content, this product, the final finished product to your phone. So I can do it from Korea or Japan or Alaska, right? So that's the beautiful thing about the digital age. And I think if, you know, that's the future. So always be uh, tech savvy of your content and keep your journalism high. I think that's the way to survive. Thank you. And thank you very much for, for this uh, very uh, touching talk. I'd like to know, because uh, we see in, in several countries that uh, exiled journalists are, are forced back once the politicians start going and become friends, in this case talking about Thailand, with the, uh, the, the Myanmar regime, what happens then? Uh, uh, have, have you thought about that? I mean, if we see Syria, Afghanistan, all these places, all of a sudden they, they push the journalists back into the countries. Is that an, an, a scenario and, and, and is there a plan B then if that happens? Whatever we, our relocation, our plans are, it's a, it's a, it's a short term. I don't think we, there is a concrete solution for this. I'm very thankful to Thai government keeping all exile journalists as much as they can. And, and I'm hearing that there are a few people getting arrested, being deported as per request of Myanmar Hunta. So, you know, a lot of people are waiting at, at the border, uh, Mesok, uh, waiting for uh, uh, permits, uh, uh, visas to go to the third world countries, right? Um, staying here, you know, yeah, safe now, but, um, if they push back, and then we will have to think of something else, and this is the best solution for, for me and the team at this point. 
And I, as far as I know, nobody wants to go to third countries. Um, so I think we'll be here for a while, and unless we get kicked out. Um, and you know, another thing is that um, uh, you know everybody go through a lot of mental issues. Uh, doesn't matter whether you're local or foreigners, right? We go crazy once in a while, and and my team somehow thinks that they can go home in about a year time. Uh, and I've been drawing a huge picture that now impossible. You're going to have to stay here for another six years, seven years. So, uh, what is our long-term plan? I think we want to to keep things as it is now, for now, and, and don't piss anyone off, and stay under the radar and, and do your job, I think. That's the, I think, three to six years, how to solution. Uh, at this point, uh, we don't really know what to do afterwards, basically. Maybe there is something, then we can all go back and run Frontier from Myanmar again. But I doubt it, it's very, very small uh, chance to do so. Hi, Sunny. Uh, I think it's such an inspiring story, not just um, because you're resilient, but also because you innovate in a way that is so interesting, I think, with the co-working space. You also enter uh, the offline world, where you, so you have quite a lot of knowledge with Frontier in how to target your audience online. So I was wondering how you're going to uh, do this with the co-working space, like what public are you aiming for to get there? And what is your approach in uh, making that uh, sustainable? So, Thank you for that question. I think everybody has to know that. I've been practicing so-called Robin Hood uh, business model. <laughs> what I'm saying is I would ask for those of whom can support. And because, you know, Frontier magazine back in Myanmar, it uh, can be quite expensive. So there are many academics who can't afford to pay for it and who can't afford to, to pay for memberships and stuff like that. So the idea is to, you know, these donor organizations, the supporters would pay uh, support and then we actually produce news and make it available for everyone online for free. And free ads, we don't use ad advertising on the Facebook or website. So free ads, it's like all VIP uh, access, uh, free of charge for everyone. And for those of whom supporting, uh, we actually give back because we don't want free money, right? Uh, money is important, support is important, but we want to give something back to, to our donors, uh, our, our members, uh, community members, paid community members, by producing five different newsletters. Uh, we have daily briefing, which is, you know, 24 hours, what is happening, how, how that is how that happened, why is this happening? Sort of like a very small, small uh, analysis, but uh, uh, 24 hour, what is uh, breaking news, what is happening, we put it on the uh, news, newsletter. And then we have uh, another daily newsletter called Media Monitoring. So we monitor all the publications in Myanmar, private and, and government and uh, ethnics, uh, all. We just monitor all the front page stories and headlines, and that's another one. And then we have a weekly newsletter. It's a weekly roundup newsletter called Frontier Friday. And we have a political insider, which we focus on politics in upcoming elections. And also we have another one called, uh, a weekly one, it's called Frontier Backstage. Because I think it's important to let the readers know how much of a risk that we take going into Rakhine, going into to Karen State, and, and how we produce, right? So 
you know, we used to do like event like this in Myanmar, and my reporter will be talking to the audience with the presentation about how he went into Rakhine State and you know, uh, dodging the police, dodging the, the military. And I think that's, that's very interesting for, for our members and our community to find out. When people read something and throw it in the garbage bin, I hate it, right? Because we work so hard to, to put everything together and just can't, shouldn't be easily thrown away. So in a way, I am telling everyone, uh, we're letting everyone know how risky it is. And, and, and what sort of work that we do. So that's the five uh, newsletters that we are giving back to our community. And this greenhouse, the same thing. People support, now I get to, to launch, but I would like to, to uh, pay something back, I mean, contribute to this, how do you say, rapidly evolve uh, new media ecosystem here uh, uh, in Chiang Mai. Because I have the funders and donors you know, we run this and keep exiles, journalists, how do you say, I'm not saying happy, but at least it's, it's a home, feel like home, right? And, and also for those of whom who support me with the grants and the money, I want to give, I'm giving back them like here's the X days of training, uh, X hours of co-working space. So like you can't use, use up all the hours that I give, you can always donate to someone in, the, in Chiang Mai or Mesok. They can come and work here. So, you know, that's why we put uh, podcasts and the, the live streaming because a lot of people are struggling. We don't have a good re recording room here, podcast room here. So that's at least, I want to provide that. At least fast, I mean, in Chiang Mai, internet is fast, right? Communication is very, very good. You know, that's why there are many co-working spaces. But the difference between greenhouse and the others, and this is going to be feel like home. So that's run with love and, and care. So I think um, I, I can make it happen. Uh, let's see in a couple of years. Thank you. Oh, I think if we have no questions, it's time for beer. Thank you so much. I was so worried that I'm... You've been listening to a session recording from Splice Beta 2022. Let us know what you think. You'll find us on splicemedia.com. This is a Splice podcast, and it's produced by Norman Chella and Podchaser. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Google, International Fund for Public Interest Media, International Media Support, Konrad Adenauer Stiftung, Luminate, Media Development Investment Fund, Meta, and Telem Media. This is Splice.